Coming up on Philosophy Talk, what makes a well-lived life? I imagine in your life, 2,000 years, you have had some sickness. Yes, I have had some sickness. What is the worst thing that ever happened? I had a headache. (laughs) You want to hear about a headache? I'd like to. I had a pull over to the side of the road. (laughs) What do the aged owe to the young? What do the young owe to the aged? I have over 42,000 children, and not one comes to visit me. Today, aging and the well-lived life. Recorded live at the Classic Residence by Hyatt Palo Alto with support from the Stanford Humanity Center. Thousand and six months young. But I don't look more than 16, 1700, right? No, no. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. After the news. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We've taken Philosophy Talk on the road. We're recording the program in front of a live audience in Palo Alto, California. Our thinking originates just down the road at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. And it migrates up from there to the air via the signals of 91.7 KALW, local and innovative public radio from, for San Francisco. And from the radio to the internet via our blog, theblog.philosophytalk.org, where our motto is Cogito Ergo Blogo, I think, therefore I blog. Today's program is made possible in part by funding from the Stanford Humanities Center. We're meeting in person with some of our listeners at the Classic Residence by Hyatt on Sand Hill Road next to the Stanford campus. Welcome, folks, to Philosophy Talk. John, this is a great venue for our topic today. Our topic today is aging and the well-lived life. And those of our listeners may not know that the Classics Residence by Hyatt is a senior living community. So I think our our audience will have a lot of wisdom because they live this question every day. Well, I'm sure compared to you, they're quite wise. But I myself identify more with the audience. I'm kind of getting up there. So I think we'll have a lot of wisdom to share with you. Well, I'm <laughs> eager to learn from your, your superior wisdom, John, as always. But look, let's think about the philosophical question about aging. You know, in one way, everything ages. Rocks age, whales age, the earth ages, uh, human beings age. What's the, what's the, what's the big philosophical deal? Well, you're, you're cutting right down to the quick of things, Ken. There is a big difference between rocks, animals, and humans. Though rocks age, and they get older and older, animals age more like humans. They have a date when they're born, and there is going to be a date when they die, and they get closer and closer to the latter as they get further and further from the former. But with humans, it's quite special, because we have a conception of the whole thing. We think about the whole process. We form and goals and anticipate things and regret things and rue things and think about things in terms not just of the moment, but of our whole life. So that makes aging rather special when it comes to humans. I, I see that. I see that. Because this is aging in the well-lived life, aging and flourishing. Does this special prop thing about human aging give us special challenges about how to flourish? Well, sure, because, uh, and here's where philosophers starting with Plato and Aristotle have a lot of wisdom to distill. Being happy, flourishing, living a good life for a human doesn't mean quite what it does, say, for my dog Gretchen. She's happy if she's got a bone, a a full stomach, a a bowl of water, a squirrel to chase, 
day after day after day, the same thing makes her happy. But for humans, it's not just having pleasurable experiences and squirrels to chase. We have bigger ambitions that, that form our life, right. and flourishing involves all of that, too. Right. We've, we tell ourselves this narrative of our lives. It's got a beginning, middle, and end. And part of the flourishing is a part of the character of that narrative. And as more of the past is behind you, and there's more to remember and less to anticipate, you, you move different places in that narrative. And sometimes you just have to reinitialize a narrative, you know, because one of the things about aging is the brute facts of biology. Biology, I hate to say, can sometimes be a bastard and can deliver you, deliver you these surprises, and then you have to reinitialize your narrative. But if, if you're a human and you've thought about your life and you have a sense of self, that helps you move through these changes. And, you know, it's not just biology. Sometimes it's just plain catastrophe that changes things suddenly. That's true. And we, our roving philosophical reporter, Zoe Corneli, went out and talked to somebody who flourished despite a catastrophe. She files this report. There's one image Harry Lewinstein will never forget. As uh, I was being wheeled into the operating room at midnight, I heard the doctor say to the nurses, 70 years old, on a bicycle. This was in southern Portugal nearly 10 years ago. After spending his career as an executive in the electronics industry, Lewinstein was settling into a leisurely retirement, including frequent bicycle trips like this one. We were having a great time, it was a beautiful day, and I wasn't paying enough attention to where I was going. Went down a hill, going a little too fast, hit a bump, I was converted into an instant quadriplegic. At that point, I was 70 years old, and that was the end of my active life. An arduous recovery process followed. I'm totally paralyzed from the mid-chest level down. I have no feeling whatsoever of any sort, no sense of temperature, and I have no useful hands. I cannot use my fingers. I don't have the ability to pick up things. I have very limited arm movement. The rehab consisted primarily of teaching me how to use whatever facilities I still had. Hello? Hello, uh, Harry? Yes. Is your wife home? No, she's not. The apartment Lewinstein shares with his wife is set up so he can eat, drink, answer the phone, and use the computer all without help. To type, he grasps a prong in each of his stiff, curled hands. Let me just do the standard phrase here. I don't have any incoming email. Lewinstein has faced extraordinary challenges, but he says the process of aging is the same for everyone. It just happened a lot faster to him. I aged instantaneously. In October uh, 12, 1997, at 10 o'clock in the morning, I was a healthy, uh, upper-middle-aged male riding a bicycle. At 11 o'clock, I was a total invalid. Nearly 10 years after the accident, Lewinstein remains committed to living his life to the fullest. I still get emotional when I think of the effects that all of this had on my family. But other than that, I don't feel sorry for myself. I don't have any, I don't have anybody to blame. So initially I said that I could devote a certain amount of time to being sad. And that certainly went away very quickly. I don't dwell on it. He does maintain a sense of humor. There are a couple of advantages. <laughs> uh, I had serious back problems 
before the accident, severe back pain. I haven't had a single bit of back pain since the accident. <laughs> uh, it's, it's sort of black humor. I'm not going to live forever. So to the degree that I can, I will enjoy whatever time I have. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Zoe Corneli. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.